It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. If you are here, then you are listening to Secondary Perspective. I'm your host, Nick Ferguson, joined by my co-host, Mario Batanzi. You can find him on Twitter at MileHighMario. And you can find me at NickFerguson underscore 25. Mario, last week, NFL Combine, Indianapolis. Several NFL prospects and hopefuls vying to showcase their ability and their talent to head coaches and GMs around the league. We had Greg Cosell, who knows everything, I just call him Mr. Football, uh, on the program last week, and we talked about several topics. But this week, as we like to bring you the best, the brightest, and the bold on Secondary Perspective, Creed Morris, former San Diego State quarterback, shared the backfield with Marshall Falk, will join the program, and he's going to tell us, give us his perspective, Mario, on some of these I guess what people want to call big arm quarterbacks. Is there truth to that? Is there is it a myth that, that people are force feeding us? Because I don't know about you, Mario. Before we get Cree on the line, uh, or do you feel like you have been drinking from that same Kool-Aid cup of big arm quarterbacks? Well, I mean, I, certainly I understand the draw of a big arm quarterback, Nick. You know, you love seeing a quarterback that can throw the ball 60, 70 yards down the field. It can really stretch the field. So you just split out some speedy guy out wide, let him run by everybody, just have the quarterback huck it up and let him run under it. But believe it or not, Nick, the NFL is a little bit more complicated than that. And if you look at some of the top gunslingers in the NFL right now, I mean, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, I mean, I would not classify them as big arm guys. I'm classifying big arm guys as a Jay Cutler or a Joe Flacco. And, you know, we've had discussions on this very show about whether or not Joe Flacco was a lead. I certainly wouldn't put him into either of the top two tiers of quarterbacks. Jay Cutler's got to be on the back half. Uh, And those are just a couple examples. I think Aaron Rodgers has a big arm, but... He is more of a big brain, which is what he's known for. So I'm not going to buy into this, Nick. I mean, Jamarcus Russell was the biggest armed prospect of all time. And we know how that played out. I mean, Andrew Luck wasn't really considered a big arm. Robert Griffin, when he was the second overall pick, wasn't considered a big arm. So I'm not buying into this. I think it's, it's, it's nice to have, Nick. But your success in the NFL is not predicated on whether or not you have a big arm. Just got just ask Peyton Manning, the greatest quarterback, arguably of all time. He's never had a big arm. Well, Mario, Judge Nick Ferguson is presiding over this case, and court is now in session.
I would like to bring in our guest and our resident quarterback guru, former San Diego State quarterback, Cree Morris. You can find him and his website, www.52quarterback.com. He's in San Diego. If you're a young quarterback, high school, pros, college, and you need some fundamentals fine-tuned, he is the guy to do that. Cree, thanks for joining the program. And let's talk about these quarterbacks. When, when you look at the, quarter, the top quarterbacks coming out, first name, the first two names, rather, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. After that, it's a drop-off at the quarterback position. But when you look at these two top quarterbacks, talk about some of the things that you see that they do well and, more importantly, what they can improve on. Well, with, the, with those two guys, you're coming from two total different systems. You know, Jameis was most of the time uh, under center, running more of a pro-style system, Mariota being obviously in the gun uh, and the spread system. Um, so what you really want to look for uh, to compare them both is, is their throws. You know, are they throwing, you know, that deep out? Are they throwing the comeback, the NFL throws? Can they throw, uh, you know, the big in, the dig, the dig route, um, and how they, you know, deliver the ball, and are they placing it in places to uh, help guys out? Now, Cree, you know, everyone talks about the spread offense, and it's something that is being used in, in high school and college a lot because a lot of these kids don't have great fundamentals, but they're really athletic. And we've seen some of those type of plays being instrumented in the NFL. But talk about both of these quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, then it's Brent Hundley and Jameis Winston. Some of these guys have been in spread offenses. Talk about the, the transition that they're going to have to make to play in the pro-style offense. Well, number, number one, you know, you want to start just with their head. Can they understand the uh, offense and defensive um, systems that they're trying to, they're coming into? You know, obviously in the spread system, uh, we've talked in the past how these guys, you know, all the checks are come from the sideline. You'll see the team line up in the spread. They'll look over the sideline. The coach will change the board and it changes the play. So now they're running something different. So everything's coming from the sideline. Whereas in the pro-style system, you know, your checks are checked with me at the line. You're not looking over the coach and going, hey, you know, do I need to audible out of this and put us in, you know, more comfortable play versus the defense we're seeing. So with those two, you know, these guys, I'm going to do a little bit of both. He was in the spread, but he was also under center, you know, from UCLA, who I think has got a big upside, a talented kid. Um, but again, just with Winston, specifically in Mariota, two totally different systems. So now it's going to be more of what they do behind the scenes, which we won't get to see, meaning their meetings with, the coordinators and quarterback coaches uh, teach prospective team that may draft them and what they do on the board inside the system. Well, if you just join us, we're talking to Cree Morris, former San Diego State standout quarterback and the owner of 52quarterback.com in San Diego. Once again, if you are a young quarterback looking to fine-tune your skills, definitely give him a, a call. Uh, he's, he's one of the, the best guys in the business. Uh, Cree, once again, I mean, Tampa Bay owns the first pick in the draft. And we really don't know what they're going to do. We don't know if they're going to look to trade down and collect a bunch of picks to uh, build up that offense and that defense. But Jameis Winston is a name that constantly comes comes out and thrown out there as far as being that first pick. Now, Tampa Bay was 2-14. Lovey Smith can, well, he can't make a mistake with this pick. And I know that's hard to do. But do you look, when you look at Jameis Winston, would you take him, if you're Lovey Smith and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with that number one position? You know, I think uh, with Winston, you know, uh, me personally, it's not his on-the-field stuff. He's a proven winner. 
He's won big games, won the Heisman, obviously. Uh, very, very talented young man, had success in high school. Um, my issue with the first pick would have more to do with off-the-field stuff. Um, you're going to invest that first pick. He's going to be the face of the franchise. He's going to expect to come in and start right away. Um, and I'd have to look real hard and, and do my due diligence and the investigations of his past, his off-the-field things. You know, that first pick, I think somewhere now is around, what, five, six million guaranteed money up front. Um, you know, you've got to pick that one right. You, you can't have issues like, um, you know, we've seen some guys last year who have been having some issues off the field, um, struggling a little bit. So it's, it's tough. It's a very tough call. Me personally, if I'm in that first spot and I have to take a quarterback, uh, I'm probably going to take Mariota myself. Now, Mario was talking about, you know, strong um, quarterbacks. And, you know, he mentioned uh, Peyton Manning and the fact that he and Tom Brady, Drew Brees don't have uh, a strong arm. Are, are you a believer in that strong arm or is there more to defining the quarterback's position other than the gunslinger mentality? You know, I'm uh, definitely in that mentality. Uh, I think Brady is the best who have played the position. I know it's arguable uh, with Joe Montana, you know, Peyton Manning. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work with Drew Brees uh, for the last four years in the offseason uh, through Fitness Quest 10 and Todd Durkin down here in San Diego and been a blessing to work with him. But what, what attracts me to him, we'll use Drew Brees as an example because I know him personally and been able to work with him, is he's not the big arm guy. He's not six foot five. He doesn't have a rocket for an arm. Um, but what his mind of the game and his work ethic and the way he goes about his business, you know, he's a leader among leaders, um, even when we train the pros in the off season. And, and it's amazing to watch, to watch him work, to watch him dictate what he wants and how exactly he wants routes run. Uh, a good friend of mine works for the Denver Broncos front office. And he talks about Peyton Manning actually running practice, meaning that the coaches are, you know, putting script together and coming out. Peyton's already has it and he's set. So when they go to practice, Peyton knows what he wants to work on and what he needs to get done um, after meeting with the coaches. But Peyton's the one putting a lot of that stuff together and coming out on the field. You know, I think you want a field general in the essence of you need a leader, number one, someone who's got a great mind for the game, um, someone who's tough, you know, playing in that spot. And I don't mean you can take a hit. I mean that, uh, you know, you can handle the ups and ups and downs of playing the quarterback position when things aren't going well. You know, the leadership ability you have to, to lift up your teammates and make them play at a higher level. And then, um, you know, as far as being a big arm, you know, I heard you guys talking a little bit before I came on about Aaron Rodgers, who is, is considered a big arm quarterback, but he is so intelligent. That I think one thing that benefited him, which people don't realize when he was drafted, is he sat behind one of the greatest of all time in Brett Favre for three years. You know, these kids nowadays who are drafted in the first round, they're just getting thrown to the wolves and being expected to play right now and have success. And I'm not sure if that's the best way, you know, possible um, to give these kids success. You know, bring them in, send them behind a veteran for a year, let them learn the system, let them learn the nuances of the NFL game, which is obviously much different than the college game, and then give them the opportunity to have success. Now, uh, Cree, one of the big knocks that I'm hearing on Mariota, and after the combine, I'm starting to see more mock drafts where Winston is going number one overall to the Bucks, whereas before mm-hmm. I was seeing more where it was Mariota seemed to be the top pick. One of the knocks on Mariota, and this is what I wanted to ask you about, is he doesn't know how to conduct a huddle simply because the Oregon Ducks never huddled up. You know, they did the quick offense to the line, the hurry up. And, I mean, obviously... He didn't huddle up. I mean, do you see that as a problem at all, or is that a pretty easy fix? Uh, I think that's part of the easy fix. 
Um, I don't think the huddle is going to be a problem. Him calling the play and, and uh, spitting out the verbiage, you know, whether he's on the West Coast, you know, word verb system or, or the number system. I don't think it matters either way. I think the biggest part, you know, the one knock I would say on Mariota being in that spread system is can he go to the line, read the defense, and check it at the line when he needs to get out of a run play and make it a pass play if there's eight in the box. If he needs to, you know, a check with me where he's got to run both sides, can he number count quick enough from the center over? to put the guys in the, you know, the best possible play to have success. And that's really, you're not going to know that because he never had to do that in college, wasn't asked to do that in college. Um, you're not going to know that really until you bring him into camp and see what he does in, in the mini camps. And then, you know, obviously the uh, first couple games uh, at the beginning of the year are really going to matter to him. Right. If you just join us once again, we're talking to former San Diego standout quarterback Cree Morris and the owner and operator of 52quarterback.com. Akree, like I said earlier, it's not just Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota in this class. There are some other quarterbacks as well. And I, when you look at the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning has yet to make his decision whether he's going to return. So that means right now you have to make Brock Osweiler the number one man in the Broncos offense. If you were the Broncos and you look at the rest of the field, and knowing as though you need to draft a quarterback, which guy do you feel would be a best fit for the Denver Broncos? Well, wow, for the Broncos system, um, I want a guy who's been under center. Uh, the way Peyton has, has built um, the offense in there, I, I use Peyton as an example because he's, you know, he's definitely a coach on the field and, and, uh, and in the classroom. Um, you know, I think one of the guys who might be the best fit would be Grayson from Colorado State. I mean, the guy's, you know, he's 6'2", 220, um, had extreme success, basically a four-year starter at Colorado State has won everything he could there, has thrown for almost 70% completion percentage most of his career, three-year starter in high school. Um, he's used to the cold weather playing up at Colorado State and can step right in that huddle, I think, and, and understand everything, the nuances of the game and, and really have some success early. Uh, he might be one of the most pro-ready guys you know, outside of Winston. Um, you know, the other guys we've talked about in the past have been Hunley, uh, Petty from Baylor, you know, those are kind of the top five guys, they say, uh, in the class right now. But, you know, Petty played in the spread system at Baylor. Hunley was not always under center, and he's been inconsistent. I think part of that had to do with some of the talent around him, and part of it just um, and what they ran there you know, at UCLA and were limited in certain things I think they wanted to accomplish. So it's, uh, I think you said there's a program on the rise, but Hunley won't be there to see it. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys play themselves out in the teams. You know, sitting in that war room, I don't think as uh, – it's as easy as people think. You know, it's easy to second guess the decisions made come Monday, but you know, during draft day, you've got to pick what player you feel is going to be best for your team and to give you guys the most opportunity, obviously, to win. Now, with Grayson, I mean, the knock on him is just he has a slow wind-up, a slow delivery. As a guy who coached quarterbacks, and you talked about Drew Brees, is this is a fundamental that you can improve or – I mean, once a guy has been doing this for so long, that's just you know, been imprinted on him as a quarterback. Yes, but it's about changing his muscle memory. It's about working on some finite movements, specific movements, to tighten up his delivery, to make it quicker out of his hand. You know, I, I use this as an example to everybody. Everyone's got a different throwing motion. You could, I can coach the same 10 guys, and all 10 of them are going to throw a little bit differently no matter what. It really has to do also with your body, lower body position. Power comes from your lower body, not your arms. You know, there are guys that, that do have rocket arms, but they probably got pretty good hips and good feet most of the time. 
Therefore, you have a guy like him. Yes, you can tighten up his motion and make it quicker and get it out of his hand. But again, it's just running certain drills and knowing specific drills to adjust them and to adjust their body, specifically their lower body, to help the body fire through quicker to get the ball out quicker out of their arm. Well, Cree, thanks for joining us. We have to have you uh, back, back on once uh, the season starts. And more importantly, once the draft, if some of these things that we're discussing right now actually prove uh, come to fruition. So once again, that is Cree Morris, former standout quarterback at San Diego State. You can find him on, on his website, www.52quarterback.com. Once again, www. 52quarterback.com. Thank you again, Creed, for joining the program. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thank you. Mario, coming Bye-bye. up after the break, we're going to talk to a former NFL receiver and see who he thinks is the best quarterback in the NFL and see what it's like to date. What's dating like? I mean, we know what football life is like, but what is it like to date and find Mrs. Right instead of Mrs. Right now? We're going to discuss that later with Dion Branch. Coming up after the break, you're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, here on Voice America Sports. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to secondary perspective with nick ferguson to get in the lineup for today's show please call 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com now, back to the show. Secondary Perspective is back. Sorry for those technical difficulties. And my co-host, Mario, was just uh, giving me, you know, let's just say he was making fun of me. But uh, he's the last person that needs to talk. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on, Mario, while we were at the break uh, and we were handling those technical difficulties, you were talking about Brock Osweiler and whether I was a Brock Osweiler fan 
or or not. And, and to me, yeah, you know, he's a six seven quarterback. He can see over the offensive defensive line. But I just think when you look at the other quarterbacks that are in the NFL, I don't think he just to me he just doesn't do it for me. And you can possibly say that maybe it's because he's playing behind Peyton Manning, but but to me it really doesn't make a difference. For for you, are you a Brock Osweiler fan? Dion, are you there? Mario, are you a Brock Osweiler fan? Matt, I told you I'm a Brock Osweiler fan. Sorry, I heard uh, I heard some stuff going on in the background. I, I think Osweiler is fine. I can't call myself a fan of his yet, Nick. I mean, he, he still needs to prove himself, and he hasn't gotten a chance to. So I'm not with him. I'm not against him. I, I, only time will tell. I need, I need to see more out of him. I mean, when we're watching him at the very end of meaningless preseason games and he's, he's throwing nice passes here and there, it, it's all well and good, but – why wouldn't you get him into a regular game when you're blowing a team out more than just against the Oakland Raiders? You know, Nick, if it's a game that's in hand, put him in there. And I think it was just the foolish pride of Peyton Manning who wanted to stay in as much as possible to break as many records as possible. And uh, they they didn't want to give Brock a chance. So I can't answer your question right now, man. I, I like Brock. I think he's a good athlete. He has potential. But that's all it is until he gets on the field and is given a legitimate chance. Well, let's talk to someone who knows more about potential, more importantly, knows about the quarterback position. Dion Branch joins the program, two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver for the New England Patriots. I know that's kind of crushing to a lot of Broncos fans, but we do have Dion Branch join us. Dion, thank you for joining us. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you for having me. I, you know, Dion, I have to say that because for some reason, and we've talked about this before, there's a lot of hate, a lot of hate for the Patriots. And I, you know what? I'm a competitor. Right. So I, I want the team's best shot every single time. But people hate you guys. They absolutely right. hate you guys. Why? I mean, why do you think that? Man, I, man, that just comes with the territory. It comes with the game. I think me personally, uh, in my opinion, I would say, you know, they always vouch and everybody out. You hear people talk about, man, I'm supporting them all for the champs and all this. But I think you get tired of seeing the same team being at the top of the game every year. Regardless, uh, if they win it or not, these guys are always involved with somewhat being in the postseason and also having the opportunity to play for the Super Bowl. So I think that's what it is. I, I don't think it's more so hate than versus I, I would like to see someone else win it other than the Patriots. You well, Dion, yeah, do, do you think it's that, or do you think because of the tainted past of Bill Belichick and <laughs> all of these allegations that might possibly lead to people maybe not liking the Patriots? And I, and I, I get what you're saying, and I agree oh. with it. People want right. to see different teams up there. But, Dion, if, yeah. if they're getting to that point and every single year that they win or they have a good season and something's coming out that they were breaking the rules or bending the rules a little bit, that might be more of a reason people don't like the Patriots. Yeah. Well, you, you can see that. I respect people's opinion, you know, but it's all speculation, you know? <laughs> see, see, Look, there, Dion, there, Dion there I'm not going to take away the Super Bowl where you got the MVP and, you know, that ring. Right. I, 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 I'm not going to say outright that, oh, maybe right, there's, that. A, there's a little something-something on the side going. I'm not going to take that from you, but I'm just saying Bill Belichick being in New England – 
You know, right. he, he's not a he's not a big fan of the media, and the media's not a big fan of him because you can never really mm-hmm. tell if he's in a good mood or a bad mood, and so that already paints him in a negative light. And it's just I know they're just allegations, but when they happen over right. and over and over again, yeah, maybe there's just a little bit of validity. Not the Super Bowl that you were the MVP <laughs> in, but maybe right. the other ones. <laughs> see, Dion, see, Dion you can you can tell you, you can tell you know. Who on this show is not, I don't want to say, I'm going to say I, I'm an advocate for the Patriots. I love to see a great okay. game, but there's someone on this show that hates the Patriots more Oh, than okay, I. okay, Nick. First Ooh, off, is hate it? is just the complete wrong word. And you know what? I'm a fan of Dion, and I'm a fan of certain it. other individuals that play for the Patriots, but the New England Patriot entity... Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of, but I would never use the word hate, Nick. You know, we're all about ebony and ivory and cons- okay. uh, existing right. cohesively <laughs> and loving each other. Okay, so there's there's no hate. I just really, really strongly dislike the Patriots, but I like Dion. Exactly. Okay, hey, look, well, I appreciate that, and I can respect <laughs> that. You know, I, I get it. Uh, my I got a couple family members who dislike the Patriots a lot because they're a big uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and that's the stuff you have to deal with. And you know, i.e. my dad. He he wants me to perform and do well, but when we're playing the Steelers, he wants he wants his son to lose. So he got a Deion <laughs> Bra- he got a he got a Pittsburgh Steelers Dion Branch jersey. Uh somewhat. You know. <laughs> somewhat. He, he went to NFLshop.com and got it customized. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Dion, what I want to talk to you about, you know, I mean, Tom wins another Super Bowl. That six right. appearances four Super Bowls, and the biggest debate is who's the best quarterback in NFL history? Yeah, Joe Montana has gone to four. He's won four. Right. But, but, but if I can try to get, you know, an a, a unbiased opinion and assessment from you, when you look at the guys that have played the game since the inception of the game, who do you feel should go down right now at this point as the, as the best to have played the position? Uh, Quarterback-wise? Quarterback-wise. Quarterback. I mean, sure enough, I'm going to be biased because I spent so many years with Tom. Great friend, great competitor, great player. Uh, I never had the opportunity to play with uh, Peyton Manning, but he's another great one. Um, And if you look at the guys that's in the past, I mean, we have to tip our hats off and give these guys credit. They paved the way for us, the Joe Montanas, the Dan Marinos, you know, those guys, the Warren Moons. But as we talk about What's going on today, I mean, clearly Tom Brady is the guy that I would vouch for. And, and like I said, it, it's very biased. You know, I, I pl- spent plenty of years with this guy. But more importantly, this guy has done it on numerous occasions. The numbers are there. The Super Bowl victories are there. The trophies, the MVPs are there. I mean, I don't know what else it is left for this guy to do. Well, if you just joined us, we're talking to former New England Patriot and two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver Deion Branch. You can find him on Twitter at DeionBranch84. And also you can go to his foundation uh, website, DeionBranchFoundation.org. Uh, I want to shift a little bit from football and mm-hmm. uh, kind of still stay in that same Nick wants round. to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, I Nick's don't. seen it like five times already. Deion. Dion, do not That's believe 250 this. shades of gray, Nick. <laughs> Dion, you got to think about this, Dion. This is the same guy who unleashed that level of hate for the Patriots. Who's hey, now saying that I've seen you know, man, Nick, you're throwing around that word again. And 
there's no like I don't hate anything. There's just strong feelings one way or another, but hate is never a word that I use. I'm sure I'm sure if you look up strong hate in a dictionary and kind of click the thesaurus, it would say hate right there on the strong. Oh, like, see now go, go ahead on your fifty shades of gray talk, Nick. No, no, but here's the thing. This is what I talk about. You know, everyone talks about the NFL life and we know it's a great life and it, it's mm-hmm. helped us, you know, do things and your foundation and help me do things and, and get help give back to my community. But one of the hardest yeah. things to do is, you know, date in the NFL. And I know I know you have to run. You have something else to do. But real quickly, talk about how you found Mrs. Wright opposed to Mrs. Wright now. Right. Well, my thing is, me personally, I, all this stuff started from my upbringing. You know, my, my parents raised me well. My grandparents raised my parents well. And I think I took it heed of all of that stuff, took all the things in from my mom and my dad. And the thing that I most love about my wife is that I see my mom in her. You know, I, I see a hardworking woman, you know, who, who, who can be independent at times when she needs to be. You know, someone that lays it on the line for their family, do everything at, in their power and their will for their family. And that's what's most important to me. You know, all the loving and all the caring that you have for your family and your friends. That's my mom. That's my wife. And I think that's what I was looking for in a woman. As I was going through my, you know, my collegehood and getting into the NFL, but I actually found my wife in, at the University of Louisville. So I didn't have the opportunity to go through that freelancing that some of these young guys out here have an opportunity to do. And it's kind of hard that you take a guy who's given all of this to try to sort out the women, the bad from the good when they're all reaching that one thing, possibly. Not all women. You get well, what I'm Deion, Not all. Yeah, I, I know that. And, you know, I know you have to run, but as always, I appreciate you coming on. And maybe we can have you back on uh, next week when you have some more time to break yes. down this uh, NFL free agency as far as the wide receiver position is concerned and also give us some fine points. I, I got five more minutes. You got five oh, minutes? You, I got five minutes. We can do that. Okay, well, hey, Mario, he's got five minutes. Why, so, why are so, you trying to push Dion out the door, man? Who's hating now? I'm not, I'm not trying to push him out the door, but I... I, I like, all right, well, thanks, Dion, for your time. I know you're probably busy <laughs> with something. Maybe, uh, maybe you should just go now. No, I oh. did tell my man I had a couple minutes. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said he only had a couple of minutes. He, he's work, working on some real estate deals. and I don't, I don't like to impede on other people's time, Mario. So I was yeah. trying to be respectful. So anyway, yeah. well, anyway, let's look at this uh, wide receiver uh, uh, free agency for, for a second. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a lot of guys here that I'm looking at. It's a lot of guys right. are, are, old, are older, Wes Welker, uh, Reggie Wayne, uh, yeah. well, Eddie Royal is not in that in that uh, category, but let's talk about Michael Crabtree, Demaris Thomas, Hakeem Nix, but more important, Des Bryant. Uh, of those receivers right. I just named, give, give me who would be your your first priority. You know, is it a Des My Bryant? First priority or is it out of the four you just named, um, it, let's say A and B. Okay. I can give you my A and B, and you can kind of flip flop these guys: Demarius Thomas and Des Bryant. Those two guys. I mean, for one, still very, um, you know, two young guys. Guys are very active. You know, clearly the leaders on the team, been leading, been in the game for a minute. Veteran guys now. Um, I, it's hard to say which one I'll choose over the other. But for sure, those two guys. I mean, we can also throw another young fella in there who I 
I'm not a big fan of him, but I respect his game because he went to UK. But the young kid, uh, Randall Cobb. Yeah. You know, this, this guy's emerging star, man. Uh, I truly respect this guy's game. He meet, He's so valuable to Green Bay. Um, he's another one of those guys who can throw in that mix with those two guys. So, Dion, I got to ask you this. There's some people around in Denver, and it's kind of it's kind of been a mess a little <laughs> bit in Broncos country. And there are people who are now writing articles, and over at Mile High Sports, where I used to be a part of, and I know Nick is still involved with, who are saying mm-hmm. that, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, none of these guys really matter as long as you have a good quarterback because Super Bowl teams don't win Super Bowls with Pro Bowl receivers. They win it with Pro Bowl quarterbacks. But it just seems like a really ignorant thing to say. And, Nick, I know who you know who I'm talking about because you guys were talking about it uh, the other day. So, Dion, real quick, wanted to get your take on all that. Yeah, I I think that's not right. That's not true at all. <clears throat> Tom Brady's our quarterback. And then, like I said, rightfully so, the best quarterback to play the game. But I think the coaching staff did a, do a great job of putting the surrounding pieces around him to help the team flourish. And also, you know, Tom is going to do his thing, but also Tom gets the best out of his, his players. And I think the same thing with Peyton Manning. You, get, you have a great quarterback, but you have to have the surrounding pieces around You've got to have a Dion branch for your Tom Brady's. There you, hey, well, there you go. The thing is, <laughs> Peyton Manning would never win a Super Bowl by himself. That would never happen. So, but, but, okay. you think that can happen, you. kudos to him. It'll never but, but, happen. Okay. I promise you that. All right, Dion. Now, listen, before I let you go, you've had an opportunity to play in two organizations. You played for the Seattle mm-hmm. Seahawks, played for the New England Patriots. Now, some of these right. receivers that we're talking about, there's no guarantee they're going to end up with the teams that they were on the rosters with this season. How difficult is that to play in one system and go to another another team and try to find success for some of these wide receivers who might find themselves in the same ideal situation? Right. And, and see, that's always tough. But the, the difference b- between myself and some of these guys, they're unrestricted. I was traded. So I didn't really have an opportunity to sit down and assess the teams that are go- coming after me, see do these, see do these offenses suits me. You know, one thing I will say, having the opportunity to go to Seattle, I was very thankful, very grateful for that opportunity, and I truly enjoyed it. The first couple of years with Coach Holmgren was, was great. I think the couple of years after that with Coach Morrow and then with Coach Carroll, I didn't think the offenses were suitable for myself. And I think this is the, the decision. These guys are in the driver's seat now because whatever decision they make from this point is pretty much on them, you know, hey, you decided to go over to Cincinnati or you decided to go to Seattle or, you know, Pittsburgh. Hopefully that the decision that they're making is not only about the money, but also can I go in and help this team and flourish in this offense? And I think that's what's most important with these guys. It's a big decision for them. It's a major decision. Well, Dion, I know you have to run. Once again, thank you for joining us. You can find Dion on Twitter at DionBranch84. And like I said, Go check out his DionBranchFoundation.org website. Try to get involved with any kind yeah. of organization of any sort. But, Dion, thank you for joining us again. Thanks, Dion. I truly appreciate it, Nick. Appreciate you, Mario. All right. Mario, Mario. I mean, that was, that was great. And I don't know if you heard the word that Dion I don't know used. why you're trying to throw me under the bus I'm to not. Dion, what man. Jeez. <laughs> Every time I say this, it's like, well, as you know, my co-host hates the Patriots. Like, 
Well, yeah, but I'm not going to use that word. Well, okay, wait a minute. You you just said that about yourself, so I didn't have to say it. You no, I'm just saying said that's it. what you're saying about me, Nick. Yeah, but but you just echoed that. Nick, Nick, our lead-in song is Ebony and Ivory, okay? So we promote equality and fairness and love, and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, blue, green, orange, yellow, whatever. Everybody's equal. There's no hate. We Everybody love everybody, okay? Well, you know what? Listen, uh, yeah, it is <laughs> equality for all, but there's still some underlying heavy dislike. You see, I did that. Heavy yes. dislike. But heavy for... dislike is different than hate, Nick. Well, hey, listen. Uh, hey, uh, okay, heavy heavy dislike. We'll, uh, we'll just kind of consider it that and leave it that way. We won't use hate, okay? Do we want to strike that word hate from ever being used on the show? I like that. All right. You say, so, we say we hate hate, and that's it. Okay, well, so, so how do you feel about, before we go to, about Carmelo Anthony and his wife? What do you call that? I don't hate them, Nick. I mega-loathe them. <laughs> no matter how you try to reshape <laughs> it and tie it up with the bow and put it in a box, it still sounds okay. the same real, thing to real me. Real quick before you kick it to break. You're bringing up Carmelo Anthony, who had basically season-ending surgery, but, Nick, he knew he was hurt. He didn't want to have the surgery before the All-Star game, right? Oh, no, Melo had to play in the <laughs> All-Star game. He wasn't playing legit NBA games. I mean, look, the Knicks are probably better off with him gone right now. They can actually develop their team a little bit. But, no, why would Carmelo Anthony have surgery before the All-Star game? Because that wouldn't be any fun. Melo's got to go out there and do him because that's all he's about is Carmelo Anthony. And I'm done. All right. Well, coming up after the break, we'll talk a little bit of NBA action. And Derrick Rose hurt yet again. Wow, Chicago Bulls fans, they just can't get over that hump. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. 
Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Thursday, so it's Throwback Thursday. And that was the locks, money, power, and respect. Speaking of money, power, and respect, Mario, NBA action tonight, the Cavs and the Warriors, and some are considering this to be a pre-show to what the NBA finals could look like. Uh, You know, there was questions whether David Blatt was the right coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Did LeBron go back at the right time? Was Kevin Love the right fit? But then, you know, we talked about Timothy Mosgoff and what he means for that team. And then they go out. And the New York Knicks that we talked about before the break with Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, you have J.R. Smith, who's capable of shooting. Well, I'm going to say capable. But will take a shot from anywhere on the floor and hope that it falls down. You got you had Shepard to that mix. But also recently, you know, after being signed, uh, signed Kendrick Perkins, formerly of the Boston Celtics and OKC Thunder, when I look at what the East is right now, and before the All-Star break, the Atlanta Hawks were leading the division, or leading the conference, excuse me, I still see the Cleveland Cavaliers with the additions that they've made as being the front runner to the East. And I'm not saying, I don't know if they're going to win the NBA title, but when you look at them, they sure got a great chance when you look at the starting five and you look at their bench. Now, what's your, what's your standpoint? Looking at the Eastern Conference, Nick, I mean, a lot of people want to write off the Atlanta Hawks because they just don't think that they can sustain this brand of basketball because they don't have the one star. And we've talked about it on the show. They have a number of position guys that play their position well. They're role players. I mean, and I know they had a lot of all-stars, and that might have been just an after effect of having the best record in the NBA. But they don't have that true top-tier superstar. So hopefully they can get over the hump and kind of prove that, you know, you don't need the one guy to win an NBA championship. I mean, uh, like our friend Bo told us a couple weeks ago, a lot of people are saying that Atlanta – is the San Antonio of the East. So it seems like Cleveland is finally starting to figure it out. We knew it would take a while. Um, But Miami didn't win the NBA championship in LeBron's first year there, and I don't think that Cleveland is going to win it in his first year back here. Kevin Love is still, I think, acclimating himself to not 
being the best or even the second best player on the team, Nick. And this is a lot like what Chris Bosh had to do. When Bosh came to Miami from Toronto, I told everybody that would listen to me that his production is going to drop off because in Toronto, he was the number one guy. In Miami, he was the third option. This is what happened with Kevin Love. He was the number one guy in Minnesota, one of the top rebounders in the NBA, a great three-point shooter, a great scorer, and he's had to take a backseat to the backseat behind LeBron James and behind Kyrie Irving. So if he can kind of accept that role and understand what he has to do, then I see Cleveland making a push, especially now with Chicago and Derrick Rose out. But another team that a lot of people are dismissing that's been there all year, Nick, is Toronto. And I love the way this Toronto team plays. And my guy, Masai Ujiri, formerly of the Denver Nuggets, knows how to put together a winner. But does he know how to put together a team that can win in a seven-game series? So right now, Atlanta's playing the best basketball in the East by far, in my opinion. Uh, seven and two in their division, 19 and eight on the road. They've only lost four games out of 30 at home. I mean, I like the Hawks to come out of the East. Well, you know, uh, I really believe that as well. But what we have seen is we've seen a Hawks team like last, last year as an eight seed shock a lot of people. And they were in games that they should have won in, in the postseason, but they just couldn't do it. So, so that is the question, yes. I mean, it's great when you put four guys in an all-star game and you're able to do it without having marquee players on your team, something that Atlanta has struggled with as an organization, being able to pull in some of the the top talent around the NBA. But I I still don't think that they would have enough to get over that hump because you do need a marquee player on your team. And, you know, I watched Duke last night play against Virginia Tech, and they survived the scare. And when I look at this Hawks team, they remind me of a Duke team. Because they, they shoot well from the perimeter, especially with Cal Culver. But once you get into the playoffs, and just whether it's, it's, it's Major League Baseball, NFL, or NBA, it's all about defense. And I think teams are going to close out on these three-point shooters and, and with them lacking uh, a dominant inside presence and not having a marquee player. I don't think they're going to have enough to overtake a team like you just said, a Toronto or a Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think it's kind of short-lived. And the city of Atlanta, go ahead and celebrate this now. But I don't think they're going to be hosting, a ba- hosting up a banner at the end of the NBA season saying, okay, well, oh, no, no, I'm NBA not saying champs. that, but the way that I look at it right now, they seem to me like the best team in the East. And I, that's not saying much because the East is a very weak division. But let's go over the Western Conference. And we all know, and because Golden State was the other team you're talking about tonight, and yeah, that could potentially be the two teams that we see in the NBA Finals. I mean, very well so. The only thing is, Nick, if the season were to end today, Golden State would be the number one seed. Oklahoma City would be the number eight seed. Oklahoma City is the hottest team in the NBA right now, Nick. They won seven in a row, nine of their last ten. And this team is really starting to put things together. I think it was addition by subtraction, getting rid of Reggie Jackson. And Westbrook is having an MVP type year. I mean, he should be one of the finals. He might even win it. He might mess around and win the MVP award, Nick. And it's it's pretty monumental to see where this team came from and overcame the injuries to Westbrook and to Durant. Durant's been out, obviously, most of the season. But now that they're getting him back, this is at the right time. And I'll tell you what, Nick, Golden State, the last team that they want to run into in the first round of the playoffs is Oklahoma City. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I'm definitely sure that that's something that they definitely want to uh, avoid. But that's the difference between 
the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference because Golden State, the Spurs, OKC, Houston, and Portland. I mean, and, and I'm only lame, naming a few of those teams. And if you put some of those teams in Eastern Conference, they are definitely a maybe one, two, three seed in the Eastern Conference. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that race breaks down. But I want to back up a little bit and talk about Derrick Rose. I mean, this is second injury. And when you look at what he means to the franchise, I mean, you, you go out and you get Paul Gasol in the offseason. And you, you're thinking, as Tom Thibodeau, if we were to put a healthy Derrick Rose with the Paul Gasol, Joe Kim Noah, and, you know, Jimmy Butler, now that now we have the potential to now push, if not win, an NBA title. But, but now that Derrick Rose is out, possibly for the end of the season, I mean, to me, that puts Chicago in a different, you know, difficult spot. Not just this season, moving forward with Derrick Rose. He comes back next year. Are, are you worried about, you know, his injury again and, you know, outside of being the host? I mean, you're chiropractor as well. So, so speak on that point of once a guy suffers an injury, how his body tries to overcompensate and increases the opportunity for him to re-injure other parts of his body. Well, Nick, if you'll remember a couple months ago, uh, actually several months ago towards the beginning of the season, Derrick Rose was kind of mulling retirement. He's like, I don't think I'm going to stay in the NBA that long. And after what had happened to him where, you know, he just continuously gets hurt. I mean, who can blame him? And now he gets hurt again. And we start to see why he was mulling retirement because you know your body better than anybody. So if someone starts to tell you, oh, you're fine, you're going to be able to do this, you can do that, they don't have the foremost authority. It's ultimately up to you. And it just seems like this is something, in my opinion, that Derrick Rose will not come back from. I mean, he might play again, but he he was already kind of a shell of himself. We saw flashes of brilliance where Derrick Rose was the Derrick Rose of old Nick. But, I mean, for the most part, he was a second-tier player, which is fine. You can have a guy like that lead you to an NBA championship. But now that he's out and it falls on Aaron Brooks and maybe you move Kirk Heinrich to run the point a little bit, I mean, are we really going to trust those guys to lead this team? And, I mean, it's disappointing because Chicago had all of the pieces there and Derrick Rose seemed like he was getting better and better throughout the season. And then something like this happens. It's disappointing more than anything because whether you like the Bulls or not, you have to respect Derrick Rose and you have to like the kind of player that he has stayed out of the tabloids, never had any bad press about him, just a guy that works his tail off and had some very unfortunate injuries. Now, from a therapeutic standpoint, from a chiropractic standpoint, you keep hurting the same knee over and over and over again, Nick. It's not like it's going to get stronger. You know, they're not going to put robot parts in him. This isn't Steve Austin, the $6 million man. This is just a human being. And I mean, I really don't see how he's going to be able to play basketball on a high level uh, with these kind of injuries. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes back better than ever. I, I just really don't see it. Well, you know what? I mean, this, this new injury, I believe it's uh, to his right knee. It's a meniscus Injury is an injury that I had myself, and there's o- options. They can take it out, which will be detrimental to him as he ages because now he doesn't have cartilage in his knee, but they can shave some off, and hopefully he's going to see Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham, Alabama to, to do the surgery, but they can shave it off. They can suture it. I mean, so you, you can make a comeback, but now, once again, that, that's consecutive seasons, one leg, 
left leg, the right leg, and we're watching Kobe Bryant here in Los Angeles go through some injuries himself. But the difference between the two players, Derrick Rose has only been in the league for a short period of time, opposed to you know Kobe Bryant. So right. we'll have to see what happens with Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls moving forward. But I don't know if you had an opportunity to see the Oscars uh, this past Sunday, but uh, I want to play a very emotional uh, acceptance speech uh, by Common uh, from, from that ceremony. Bear with me. Recently, John and I got to go to Selma and perform glory on the same bridge that Dr. King and the people of the Civil Rights Movement marched on 50 years ago. This bridge was once a landmark of a divided nation, but now is a symbol for change. The spirit of this bridge transcends race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, and social status. The spirit of this bridge connects the kid from the south side of Chicago, dreaming of a better life, to those in France standing up for their freedom of expression, to the people in Hong Kong protesting for democracy. This bridge was built on hope, welded with compassion, and elevated by love for all human beings. Thank you. I tell you, Mario, when he when he gave that speech, and John John Legend also uh, spoke as well. But eloquent words by Common. I mean, he was a poet, especially in hip hop. Now he's an actor, uh, an Oscar as a musician. Not a dry eye in the house. And I think w- what he said is very true. Uh, whether it's it's a movie about MLK himself or just walking around as an average everyday American. I mean. We have to go out and change our society, and we have to do it because no one else is going to do it. And Selma is everywhere. You might not be black. You could be Hispanic. You can even be white. But Selma is everywhere, somewhere that someone's civil rights and liberty are being taken away. So to me, it's up to us once again uh, to take back our civil rights and and liberties. Uh, Mario, before we get out of here, I want to tell you a quick note. Dancing with the Suns will be back, and Michael Sam is a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. Really quickly, thoughts before we get out of here. He's got to stay relevant somehow. Hey, listen, if you want to stay relevant, that is a show to stay relevant. We'll discuss that later. I want to see next you week. on Dancing with the Stars, Nick. Dance off, me and Nick Fergie Ferg. All right, you don't, you don't want to see that. I get all turbo and ozone on you. Hey, oh, okay. well, let, 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 let me see. Worried. Let, let me stop right there. Well, I want to thank Cree Morrison for joining the program. Also, Dion Branch, my guys, Justin in Phoenix, Arizona, for making sure that the program runs smoothly. My three amigos here in California at the Church of Scientology Pavilion with their lovely gardens outside. And they like and they let me film here. So I'm honored to do that. Once again, go out this weekend. Do something great for someone, not yourself. And we'll see you back here next Thursday. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 